0: I remember the nerves of making those cold calls as a young journo. And I would listen to you, and I just thought you were so brave. I always wonder how you ever found the courage to do that.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I always feel like a bit of a fraud.
0: I think the thing is that
2: you should never be offended by um, a teenage boy's silence. I nearly cried when she
0: walked in with the forget-me-not, because I thought of Diana. Diana.
2: All eyes are on when are the cast of suits Megan's friends going to arrive? They'll probably look tacky, racy, sexy, and a completely inappropriate... How superb were they? Good on you, Yanks. Yay, stick it up them.
0: I don't think you can explain how distressing this job would be, but it is also a wonderful story of Melbourne life. It's a microcosm of a lot of different people's lives, and I just couldn't stop reading it. I really, really loved it.
2: What do you remember of that time and your feeling about your mum? Are you a bomber supporter. What what did
1: you feel? Oh, look, I think it just sort of validated the theme of toxic masculinity in AFL for me.
2: Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and
0: Corrie Perkin. And welcome everyone. It is episode 38, believe it or not, Corrie Perkin to Don't Shoot the Messenger. We have another special guest in this week and I just have to say, Corrie, my dear friend.
2: Hello, my dear friend. The
0: bookseller. um, In a week when the wedding has been done and won... (laughs) Nothing more to look forward to. Oh, The Tigers and the Hawks both got beaten. If I hadn't introduced this guest this week, there might have been a real family issue because we have had everyone, all of our children, in, except my son, Ned Donoghue, and he's here today. So welcome, Ned. It's lovely to have you on
1: board. Yay, Thank you, you Mum in full And also one of, my,
2: one of my three godsons... Um, we, all fine young men. My three godsons. Who's your
1: Who's your favourite? Oh, It's
2: like asking who my favourite child is. Never going to just. I'll say you, darling. Isn't that what Jules says?
0: <laughs> we're going to We're going to look at um, bringing up boys because off the back of our dear friend Eloise and bringing up girls. And Eloise really enjoyed our feedback. By the way. Kevin from Geelong's a bit disappointed. He thinks you've had enough of him. So he's going to he, – he, he's picked up – toss the, Tossed the toys out of the co- – no, he hasn't at all. In fact, we're now talking women's footy, me and Kevin from Geelong. But he thinks you've had enough of him. There's not a huge amount of housekeeping, but there is a huge amount to talk about. I don't even have to apologise for anything this week except for you, Ned. I've got some mail for you because that's what mothers do. You oh, don't no you. longer live at home.
2: Yeah, there's your and, car rego, Ned. <laughs>
0: oh, hey,
2: um, I just uh, – I, I did want to – did have a little bit of correspondence, um, Carol, and I'd like to thank Joanna who came into the shop on Saturday and um you know, as they often do in the shop, they'll buy a few things and then they sort of admit somewhat embarrassingly, you know, I oh, listen to your podcast, which of course causes great excitement in me. And she said that she enjoyed the segment on the teenage girls, but could we please give advice for teenage boys? So we thought this week, potties. This was a great opportunity because, as Kara said, Ned's here, and you know he can tell us what we did right and wrong, can't you, Ned? And That's it's right.
0: not. Oh, sorry, Neddy. It's not so long since you were a teenager. We also we're obviously going to have a bit of a crack at. Meghan and Harry, or Ginger Megs, as that rather unfortunate headline said. We have to have a crack at that attention-seeking, disgraceful, shameless (laughs) self-promoter Michael Curry. And um, we will also – well, Ned, I actually do have an apology. I've got one for you because you (laughs) – I I instructed you to go and see Loveless, a film that you've been talking about for a while, but I actually went and saw a film – An historic film that I really enjoyed and I really want to talk about. So Can Can I get my money
1: back for going to watch it? No, you can mention it, though. Tax tax deductible, hopefully, that one.
0: Now, sweetheart, you are a filmmaker. Yes. And your absolute, fully consuming passion at the moment is a documentary you're making. Just briefly tell us what it's about.
1: Yeah, so the title of the feature documentary film is Green Light. um, And I guess summing it up really quickly, it tells the story of two males who um, supply black-market medicinal cannabis to thousands of sick and dying patients in Australia. Um, These guys have been doing this for about four years. It has been legal since the end of 2016. However, uh, there's only roughly around 500 patients in Australia who have actually accessed the cannabis oil legally. So it's legal. However, it's not accessible.
2: So how do they find out about it?
1: How do they find out about this? Yeah. it's funny that a lot of it's word of mouth um, I mean I'll be completely honest I've actually recommended these guys to about five people in my sort of in my social circles I'm not going to say names because it's a bit of a contentious topic yeah, but don't. yeah but it's it's for health uh,
0: reasons you mean you've recommended it
1: uh, yes like serious health reasons um, and all of which have had amazing sort of results as well so Ned
2: when um when I had a holiday last year um. I met a couple who um, – really nice couple and they lived in America and um, their state had just recently legalized um, medicinal use of marijuana and he was actually a grower, yep. an official grower. And he explained the hoops and the um, – you know, all the legislative protocols and everything that he had to follow in order to be considered um, yeah. you know, above, above board. And that you can only get a license actually if you have a shop front – so people could, this is in some states, not all states mm. in the US, but you can go to a shop front and you can actually, um, you know, be part, be part of uh, the transaction there and it's all highly legal. Do you think we'll ever get to a stage where this happens here? Is it too long away? Um
1: I, I, think, I think we are. I mean, as a lot of people may or may not know, there's been about five companies listed on the, well, the ASX um, who are growing medicinal cannabis sort of secretly. Um, there's been a bit of a green boom. There's been a lot of hype. Um, so I think we're definitely going to have the supply for it. That's for sure. Um, whether it's going to be legal in, I guess, the recreational sense, I don't really care. I'm not too fast. I'm more interested in whether it's going to be um, accessible in the medicinal sense, um, which I think it will be. Um, I think it, it's just going to take time for the government to sort of get their act together. So you've uh, spent a
0: bit of time. Um, you, you disappeared for, uh, from our lives for a few weeks earlier this year and went and based yourself at Mullumbimby or somewhere like that. Yeah. And you also have previously made a shorter documentary about medicinal cannabis, correct? Where you went places that you couldn't even tell us where you were going. What are the ailments that are the ones that have really struck you as hugely beneficial in this area,
1: um, where so, cannabis is? I should yeah, say. yeah, of course. So, um, look, it doesn't. It it's, it extends far beyond just you know the like a tumor or cancer or epilepsy. Things such as um, just like mental health, uh, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. It can have amazing effects. Um, Uh, You know, we we met up with a horse that had a tumour on its nose um, and it completely disappeared within two months. We met up and did a follow-up. We had a man who had a tumour about the size of a a scone on the side of his cheek and that had halved in size.
0: But you say mental health. I mean, a lot of the people I grew up with who smoked too much dope as teenagers and in their early 20s ended up with massive mental health problems.
1: Yeah, of course. And there's a massive distinction to make here is that uh, the pot that they're smoking, um, first of all, is um, there's... They're trying to make it stronger all the time. So what they do is they take out all the CBD, which is the non-psychotropic element of the drug, and try to up the THC, which is the psychotropic, which psychoactive makes you freak out if you have too much. And what these guys have done of theirs, they've actually isolated certain compounds so that you're not getting too much of the psychoactive element. Essentially.
2: So the subject of yeah. your doco are these growers. They're,
1: are not, you also... they're not. They're not growers. Right. Um, Traders. Uh, yeah, this is one of those things where I've got to be really careful with how I how I speak about it. Right, um, these people. Yeah, they, they're, they're advocates and they help people access um, medicinal cannabis. Okay. Um, and, and
2: then you were allowed to follow the journey of the people, and including the horse, who were beneficiaries of this.
1: Correct. So it, it was kind of in, it was sort of like uh triple threat. So we had the departed. Um, these were patients who had unfortunately passed away. Uh, the recovered, people who are, who are now fully, you know, alive and doing well and then there's the people who are recovering so sort of tracking their journey from when we first went there in January to when we went back about a month.
2: Okay, ago. so I'm gonna be your father yeah. now. Yep. Up uh, Ned, who's paying you?
1: Uh we have uh, a series of private investors, some of which who don't want to be known because obviously the uh, subject is highly contentious and uh yeah so no sort of screen Australia funding or government funding on this one at all. Wow
2: how so, interesting is yeah. that so you're the gun for hire for these for this
0: advocate group.
1: Yeah, we hope we hope it makes a big splash.
0: It is it is funny because I, when Ned was still living at home and I used to, when, and he pretty much as soon as he finished his course, which was media studies. At RMIT. Correct, yep. Um, which he did over three years, had no interest in postgraduate really. We, he we just, also did a form of media studies at waste RMIT, of time. Caroline.
1: <laughs> waste of time in, in our in our world, Caroline. That, that's Get cool. out there and do it. Well,
0: exactly. Waste of time in our world too, Cory. Complete waste <laughs> of time and energy. Um, but I would listen to you on the phone and ring, ring people at, as a 21, 22-year-old. And I must say, as a mother, my stomach would – my heart would just – Pound for you. I just—I remember the nerves of making those cold calls as a young journo, and I would listen to you, and I just thought you were so brave. I just, some of the people you rang, and some of the things you tried to do, and this twenty-two-year-old kid getting funding for documentaries—you were determined to make—and very um, edgy sort of people you were trying to tell their stories. I always wonder how you ever found the courage to do that.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I always feel like a bit of a fraud because, obviously, you know private all-boys private school, white privileged guy who's telling stories about people he has no understanding of at all. Um, but then upon reflection, I think that's kind of good because I don't really have any preconceived ideas. I, I don't understand it at all. Um, so I sort of go in there with a bit of a useful naivety, I think. Mm. Um, and
2: Terry Lane, yeah. the great ABC pr- announcer, always used to say that the greatest gift a journalist has is their, or a storyteller, has is their curiosity. Because yeah, you've, you've got a blank sheet, really, to work with.
1: Exactly. And I don't think I developed that curiosity till I was about 21, 22. I think I was pretty sort of a lot more self-centered. I still am, obviously, just to get by. But um, I think, yeah, the curiosity comes a lot more naturally now. Which
2: and is so where will we great. see this film?
1: Uh, so I, the idea is it goes through a, through, uh, a few sections. So we want to hopefully get it into um, Toronto f- and Venice Film Festival to give it a bit of, I guess, artistic, cultural cachet. And, of
2: course, your mother and your godmother have to come, especially to Venice. We, you know... <laughs> oh, God.
1: Yeah, re- I'll Another be... reason
2: to get a dress, Caro.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll be flying you both there. Um, and and then after that, hopefully, if it does well there, into cinemas, and then after that, hopefully something like a Netflix or a Stan would be um, ideal.
0: So how does a schoolboy athlete who enjoyed the humanities, I suppose, more than other aspects of school and ended up getting, getting a pretty good VCE. How did you end up being a filmmaker for those listening? Don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it was an interesting osmosis for me and I guess... We're... But, but, uh, but uh,
2: I mean, sorry, Ned, to jump in here, but <laughs> isn't it kind of obvious? You and Brendan live a world of storytelling. That's what you do. So your kind of once upon a time is the real world. It's not such a surprise that we've had six children between us, Caro, and all of them have fallen into what we would call Ned, the big Ned communications Ned has been surprising tent. me
0: for his entire life, <laughs> but, he he's
2: is... a, but he's a storyteller of factual stories of people's stories, and he, you know, you're talking about the 22 year old. You know, how could he possibly make those difficult phone calls? He's your child, like you were doing it at 17 and 18. You set their the old. bar pretty
1: low, Kazza. <laughs> Um I, I guess in answering question, there's not sort of like a, a breakthrough moment or a zing moment for me. Um, I think obviously the fact that. You know, you and Dad are both journalists. I think, obviously, that would have... Um, I would have vicariously gleaned some inspiration there. Um, yeah, and then I, I think, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, media class in year 11-12, um, and then watching Louis thoreau docos and that kind of thing, just sort of things that this kind of happened, conversations with my old business partner, Christian Michael. Um, yeah, uh, you know, we just sort of decided that we wanted to explore something other than 21st and nightclubs you know and at a young age he's, ned, he went,
0: you he's been he's been to some pretty grungy places over the journey <laughs> i mean really <laughs> haven't all the kids i don't know yeah i guess so hey
2: ned um what this is the you're dealing in the world of fact and documentary can you see yourself or would you like to go into the world of fiction or really you think this this you know telling the real world as it is
1: yeah, is, I think Is the way for you. I, I, try, I mess with that world a little bit um, in, in my university days. I actually funded a, a short film called Discovery at the Symposium and it's about a, a young man who discovers that his parents are swingers, um, sort of sadomasochistic <laughs> ones. And it was just F- the, the party worst.
0: was filmed in our hallway. Yeah. It awesome
1: was, did you, did you them, base uh, that
2: on any true experience you'd once no, seen no,
1: parents doing? No. 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 Not at all. You
2: love a key party. I, I had
1: I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just thought I'm just going to go out and do it. Um, I never released it. I never. Sh- I didn't. Sh- I think I showed my girlfriend at the time and a few others. Um, but yeah, it was. Brendan a,
0: and I shut the bedroom door and just prayed for it all to <laughs> to go away. It um, was some pretty weird masks and stuff. I remember. Yeah,
1: that. Yeah. That was that was strange. But you um, do
0: sex scenes.
1: No, no, but there, there was actually a nipple slip accidentally, um, but we didn't use it, obviously. Anyway, I, I don't agree. How's the natural wine, by the way? Is it going well? Yeah, we,
0: uh, full disclosure, it's one, it's one of those it's nighttime, nighttime podcast. podcasts. And um, Ned and his girlfriend Zoe are really into um, natural wine. Yeah, or natty wine, as we call it in the... In it's North a bit one, of a good local tip, although Jimmy
2: Jimmy. it's not... Kate. Jimmy Cage, I really like it. And
0: whenever Zoe brings me a hostess gift, she always gives me this beautiful natural white wine, and it's nothing like normal wine, but it's really good. This is like a Pinot,
1: though, don't
2: you think? Yeah. Completely. I love the nighttime podcast. Can we do that more often?
1: I was just telling uh, your lovely producer, Jane, that uh, it is uh, poo-pooed sometimes by a similiers, natural wine, because it's so unpredictable. Um, However, I think that's sort of the whole point. I think with the
0: white, you've got to sort of drink it pretty much in the first day from opening, which isn't a huge stretch at our house. (laughs) Hey, Nettie. Yep. um, I'm not going to ask you what did I do right and what did I do wrong as a parent. But a seminal moment for you in my recollection, and while we're talking about tips, was when you read that book.
1: Secret Men's Business by John Marsden.
0: Yep. Yep. So can you explain why and what that meant to you?
1: Um, yeah, the first thing that sort of comes to my head when I read it um, was essentially the chapter called "You need to De- the, the importance of defeating your father." How old um, were you? Can I ask? Uh, I would have been in year eight, so not barely fourteen. Um, upon reflection, it's probably not the most useful thing. I mean, the idea of defeating your father is somewhat problematic because, uh, I mean, what is defeating your father? It's like you know, he listed examples like you know, outrunning or. Having more strength or all these things, which at the time like really affected me, it, it inspired me to be better. But upon reflection, it's probably a, a bit more problematic than I thought it was, uh, for Why? obvious reasons. Um, because it upset your father. Well, no, no. Well, just the idea that you have to be, you know, you it have to does one combative, point, Yeah, doesn't it? it's sort of combative, and this guy's here to to love you, not to fight you. Um, and there weren't just sort of physical examples, but um, it, yeah. I think just at the time when I was sort of young, virile, and wanted to be the best at sport and that kind of thing, um, yeah, it just it, it motivated me to be stronger than Dad and outrun him <laughs> and no, that kind you know, of thing. You know, but it sounds a... ridiculous saying it, doesn't no, but there it? Is, but there is, a, yeah.
2: th- there is a theory out there, Ned, that um, when, well, men, when men have – those men who have midlife crises are not having it because of their wife – you know, i.e., the wife's become too old or whatever, yeah. or unattractive. They're having it because of their sons.
1: Well, yeah, he's the uh, or know, the young
2: buck at work. You know,
1: exactly. I mean? Well, for fourteen years, he's the only sexually active male in the house, and then someone else comes in and is, do- and is doing that. Um, that's what John talks about as well. He says that he might at
0: fourteen, Ned.
1: Well, no, 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 not 14. Well, let's say sixteen or, or whatever, or um, well,
0: twenty-one. But he yeah. well, he read it at fourteen, and it. I mean, I just remember he used to quote it to me a lot, and I remember you and Dad. Going, you're reading, going for a running race along a beach once, and you're telling me about reading this. And I thought, that would so not be in a book about secret women's business,
1: would it? <laughs> no, exactly. And I, I think, I think John, John's a pretty progressive guy. He might have changed over the last 10 years, but um, I think he's got good intentions. I think it's, it's mostly, I think the main, the main message is taking responsibility for your life and not being a victim to it. Uh, that's kind of what I took from it, ultimately.
2: So, Carol, yeah. what do you think you did right in the, in the rearing of your teenage son?
0: Well, I have not re- not that many great tips about bringing up boys because people always say to me, you know, boys um, don't sort of open up to you and talk to you as much. Well, Ned was always an open book up until he turned about 15 or 16, and then he went the other way and stopped saying anything. And if I even asked him a question, it would be a huge insult.
2: And I think we should point out that that's pretty normal to boy just defle- behavior. I was
1: probably just deflecting. Yep. If I'm unhappy towards other people, because I'm unhappy with myself. I think that's pretty, I but think that's boy, pretty but boy, consistent. But teenage yeah. boys
2: sometimes prefer just not to talk, like they can go for a year or two.
1: Yeah, no, of course. But, but, my, but my girls yeah.
0: did that too. They, As I said last, said in a recent podcast, they did that as well. I, I think, and you were highly organised, much more organised than the girls ever were. Ned um, was much neater than the girls ever were, which I think a lot of people say. And I think one thing I would, if I have one regret, it was not understanding that boys were, so different to girls. That would oh, really? be, yeah, I, I reckon they are. Do you reckon they are, Ned?
1: Oh yeah, of course. I, I guess. Uh, well, what about your brother? Was he? How was he different to me? Say, growing up as a sixteen-year-old, did well, he talk about his feelings?
0: He was more organised and he was neater. And he, but he went away to boarding school when I mean, when I was in form one or sorry, year seven, year eight. He got sent, he was a year below me, and when he went into year seven, I was in year eight, he went to boarding school. We used to write letters to each other because back then you wrote letters. So he'd write letters from boarding school. And it was amazing how we used to, you know, really confide in each each other about things. So I don't think I can really compare except to say that you were completely different to the other two and you were very, you often expressed a sadness that you didn't have a brother. I remember that.
1: Yeah, there was a bit of that. But, um yeah, upon reflection i'm I couldn't be happier. I mean, I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me having two sisters. why um I th- makes I, you a better man I, I think I just understand women a lot better um, I think
2: I think and my will would say that
1: too. yeah, just, just subtleties like you know if you're at a if you're at a gym with your sister at 14 and she's on the ground crawling, saying my stomach hurts, and you go, what the hell's wrong she goes I've got cramps, you know a lot of boys don't have that formative experience like I did just all those little moments add up, I think, and change who you are so.
2: Do you have any tips, Corrie? Um, yeah, I do. You know, Will and I were talking about this on the phone. Um, I um, I went to a co-ed school, Ned. I had an older brother and he always had his mates around, so I always felt very comfortable in the um, company of boys, probably more than I did with girls. And going through those last few years at school, most of my good friends were boys and yep. um, and so... When Will came along, I didn't feel that this was a particular shift nor terribly challenging for me until my friend Mary, who I talked about on the other podcast the other week, said to me, you know, her Will, who's about eight years older than mine, you know, went into a bit of a zone for three or four years and didn't talk. And at this stage, you know, my Will's 12, you know, chatter, 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 we're caring, sharing, all that sort of thing. And then almost overnight he stopped talking. I remember, you know, the next time I saw Mary saying, what's happened? and I think the thing is that you should never be offended by um, a teenage boy's silence and you should never try and get them to talk about what they want or what their feelings are or how school is or anything like that, but find a common interest that the two of you can have, whether you're the father or the mother. But for me, you know, it was like watching the footy show on a Thursday night. Um, Will liked to – I mean, for some bizarre reason, he loved to do the shopping because he could choose all his favourite foods. So even the trip down to the supermarketo would be not so much, you know, let's get the wheat bix and let's get this, but the car ride there and the car ride back. It was more than just house school. We kind of went a bit deeper, Um, you know, watching movies together and that sort of stuff. Um, I think one of the great tips and I know your mum and dad, um, were very successful with you in this because of your running career, but get your kids to get your boys to play sport and you don't have to sort of think the traditional footy cricket rowing sort of rugby stuff, but anything that gets them out there being involved and participating, not only because of the participation thing, but also they meet older male role models, you know, which I think is important too. And, um, if you are the woman of the house, find those things that you can do with your son. Um, as I said, you know, it might be just going and having a game of golf with them, or it might be just throwing the ball in the garden if they're a bit younger or something. Um, going shopping together. Will loves clothes, as we know. So we would often go shopping together. And that was again, another opportunity to start the conversation. Yeah. But as Will said, you know, just let girls do dissect their feelings. And he said, you know, we often don't want to, we want to dissect ourselves. And so the more conversations of adults that he was exposed to the more he was able to internally work out what was right and what was wrong work out his core ethics rather than have some parent banging on about it so when they go into their room you know and hide away they're actually processing all that stuff they heard at the dinner table yeah. I, you know i did there's just a few tips i don't know if we're successful or not. no. you no, no, all I, seem to be doing I, pretty I good i think
1: the, the major thing that sort of stood out for me there was commonality so um some relationships you you have to work on. That, you know, they're not naturally going to come to you. So I've had periods of my life with certain friends who, when we don't have, like, a common interest, our relationships can kind of, you know, cease to exist. But when you get that commonality back, um, yeah, it just it thrives. So it, it's something you need to – I think Dad always said to me, like, some friends will come in and out of your life, but the ones that you care about, you have to work on it. It's not just like, oh, well, this isn't working, so I'll just ditch it. It's like, no, you actually have to.
2: It's like a
0: marriage. Or well, a yeah, you've to work I'm on quite it. quite impressed that he said that. Ned was always yeah. the expert of that heartfelt letter. So on Mother's Day, all the kids would write me these letters, and Ned would always <laughs> yeah. say stuff like, thanks, mum. You've just been, you know, you're the best mum in the world. You try to cook dinner for me at least a few nights a week. I remember
2: and that letter. I, you try and, so hard, Mum, and,
0: and, and we do I, appreciate you. Even friends. though you don't I'm, I'm always sure pick me up on time from school. No, I've seen the try, letter. I've seen you the letter. try to get there on time.
1: <laughs> I was well, it's just giving feedback and <laughs> praising you at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <You> know, <laughs> double the, one.
2: the other thing, just before we finish on this topic, the other thing that Will said is that even if you don't have a dad around necessarily, but, you know, dads are so important in a way that mums can't be, just for the literally the mundane things like, you know, shaving, shaving. Um, you know, sex with girls, um, sport, Or so, boys, yeah, Or boys, or whatever. Exactly, or boys. Footy boots. but sex generally. Let's say, but footy things, boots. things like sport. Like if I if, I, if I'm not that. if I'm not the best kid, you know, in the sporting arena at footy or whatever, and you're being ostracised at school, you want to actually talk to your dad about it, or uh, you know, as Will said, any other male mentor who says, "Oh, don't worry about it." I was hopeless at that too because it makes a young man feel better, you know, and, and bad skin, shaving, all that sort of stuff the older male can so easily pass mm. on just really simply their advice and the, and a teenage boy will listen and grab on that. So, again, you've got the common discussion happening. Yeah, I,
1: I think a good a, a good barometer for whether you're um, sort of – you look up to your father as whether you do, you imitate them with certain things. So I'll notice that when I'm in the car, I'll sort of pull on my leg hairs like he does at the lights, <laughs> like just on the side, do and you I'll sneeze Brendan's really happy. loudly. Do you think and Brendan's
2: I'll... happy with that, being told? Properly? No,
1: and, and, you know, sort of, you know – getting angry at other people in the traffic, sort of grumbling. Oh, you take yeah, on your F-words, father. Expletives. Um, um, and, yeah. what, and
2: paid work was always important. I didn't push the girl. In fact, I never really pushed any of the kids to do paid work if they wanted to. That was fine while they were at school. But, no, you but were pretty it was good. slack, really. Was, I was. <laughs> but but I think it's good for, for boys also. And I said to Will, what about affection? I said to your sisters the other day, you know, we always had as much affection as possible in our house. And he said, yeah, don't underestimate with boys the importance of the hugs and the kisses and the affection, even though at some point for a couple of years they might like a little yucko, but keep doing it.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Well, yeah, it's interesting. With with you, it's always been the same. I'm always a kiss on the cheek. But with Dad, it kind of goes. You know, when I was 16, it might be a kiss on the cheek. Then it's a handshake, and you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's it's strange. It kind of goes up and down. Um, not that I've you know been affected by it. Um, everything's all right, Dad. Don't worry. I I um,
0: think um the the talk of a kiss is a good segue to we have to we have to touch on it we not just touching on it. I tell go. you what. It's for those who are completely minutes. over the royal wedding, have a look at the show notes because Miss Jane will give you a time code at the end of the segment. As if anybody Jane is going to skip forward. But if you're still in the afterglow, and I must say, Corrie, I am. Net, I can't speak for you. I think we
1: need to have a quick rundown of what okay, went so, on.
2: So just so, just we need to so, talk about this. Just so I know how, what we're dealing with here. So Ned, did you watch the Royal Wedding?
1: Um, I was making toast on Sunday and the TV happened to be on and I, and I saw... You didn't watch it. And I saw the car yeah, 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 okay, coming whatever. through the, the big yeah, no, the Sunday was the day. After. What were
0: you doing on Saturday night?
1: Saturday night? When Sunday, when the wedding Sunday was, was over. Oh, what was I doing? I was wor- I think, I was working. Um, yeah, and was Cara,
2: working you were out to Absolutely you were out to some no interest. You were out, you were out to some swanky party. You'd given Julia, Marcelle, Rose, Clem, Coco, and Shekka and myself the slip, and you'd gone off to a party. So I'm going to be the royal expert. Well, Excuse me, Rose no- was interstate.
0: <laughs> Mum watched it um, down at the beach on her own, and oh, we that's just we went to sad. a dinner where all the women, and there was four blokes and four sheilas, made it quite clear the minute we arrived that we were all watching it and dinner was not served until the whole thing was over. And don't worry, Corrie, there was screaming, there was shouting. We absolutely Shouted loved okay. it. Shouting okay. a lot. Okay. So, the the, so ha- as, the so happy so... clapper just went on for far too long.
2: So um, so Lady Coco, who I'm going to call the Duchess of Kensington because that's where she lives, the Duchess of Kensington and I were standing waiting for a taxi outside the house with, you know, a bottle of champagne and a little trout thing that I'd made and we are off to Lady Alicia's house. And Lady Alicia's, Alicia's two daughters, Princess... you've got
1: to try not to laugh.
2: <laughs> straight face, please. <laughs> the, la- the ladies, Tessa and the ladies, Eloise. And we thought it was just them and Joe, who you call Joe our slave, but Joe our <laughs> dear friend and um, executive on, assistant man. was also there. The door opens. Alicia's mother has flown over from Perth And greeted us in full regalia: gold lamé, not lamé, probably silk. Actually, skirt, bottle green, royal bottle green um, outfit. Her daughter Pearl, who also flew over from Perth, is in her wedding dress. Uh, The fun began. So out came the champagne. Uh, Another friend had come round from round the corner with royal punch that she'd made. So everybody's just getting sozzled, but full on with the television. And lady, um, a lady. the two little girls, um, Tessa and um, Eloise. Thank you very much for including Coco and I. We had what a channel did you pick? Well, when we walked in, Alyssa had it on BBC, and I just went, "Great tip, like really good." Yep. And so there well, no... the
0: wedding coverage on every station was the BBC's coverage.
2: Well, we had the we had the announcers, so yep. they were just full bottles. Yep. So no sort of secondaries like Angela Rippon. Oh, who's so out of touch. But you know, we had the full bottle. So I just want to say a couple of things um, about. Um, about. Oh, I did love the Batuta Advocate. Did you see it, Ned? I know you follow them as well. That photo of those two tragic women looking like they had the hangover from hell, and the headline was felt a bit like Mum and Aunt Jones' royal wedding bender, <laughs> um, which was really funny. Anyway, the things that did work, of course, the weather. I mean, really, we're talking England. What happened? I don't know. St. George's Chapel, it's 500 years old, and it's a building um, – where the history of this building, this beautiful building, could have overtaken events um, and really overwhelmed the whole thing. In fact, it felt like a very intimate family wedding. And why they bothered going off to Westminster Abbey, I have no idea. Queen Mary's tiara caro. What a
0: hit. What did you think? Oh, well, as Mum said, I think she actually had sold off the g- giant pink diamond years ago and that had been replaced. The Queen has never worn that tiara. Stunning. It was the absolute showstopper. Well, of right? the course, entire of course, questions. I thought it was a bit
1: derivative, to be honest. Oh, I, what did you think? The que-
0: do you think she's she's very pretty girl, isn't she, Ned?
1: Uh, me, uh, Megan Markle. The, where's she from? She's from uh, Suits, the yep. show Suits. Yep,
0: exactly. Well,
1: can I sort of have a broader sort of uh, opinion on this one? Can, can, yes. we, can we do that? Or Do you want to keep it sort of... No, yes, but no, no. I
2: want to get through my list of what oh, okay. I no but, no, but you go in. You jump no. in. Well, it's a jump in podcast. Yeah, yeah. One
1: thing that I was really surprised about, given, you know, sort of entering, you know, the last few years, we've had the Me Too, we've had, you know, everyone talking about their depression, everything's changing. I was just really surprised not to see, you know all my progressive friends, you know, ranting about it in, in the news feeds. I thought there would be this whole, like, this is a disgusting hegemonic representation of, you know, uh, the, you know, blah, England, blah, 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 which, you know, I kind of agree with, but it, it didn't happen. So I'm interested what you guys think of that. What, why do you think that wasn't the case, given how progressive uh, we are these days? Well, with topics largely such
0: as this? because there wasn't a huge issue of progression about the entire ceremony. I mean, to see Prince Charles walking out of the chapel with one arm through Camilla, who after all is his second wife, the other arm through a black American woman with dreadlocks and a nose stud in her ear. I mean, you wouldn't have actually thought that would happen even five years ago, Corrie, Ned, would you? Well, no, no, I, I think, it's, Ned, I think Ned, it's
2: great. But, Ned, it's bigger than this. So I think the reason why your mates, they might have been thinking those thoughts, but they didn't rush to the news. Weddings speak. are, weddings is, are well, huge. There's something about we have, a wedding. That... Yeah. And also, it's the most prominent monarchy in the world, right? Um, and it's one of the oldest monarchies of the world that stayed intact, pretty much intact. It is a monarchy that has always supported democracy. Well, you know, give or take a few years there with um with Oliver Cromwell, but basically that's what they've done. Yeah. Um, it has morphed in the 19th century, thanks largely to people like Queen Mary and so on, into this kind of celebrity status. And this wannabe, uh, wanna be aspirational. I want to be them, uh, you know. And we're intrigued by them. But so isn't,
1: isn't that a bit sort of sycophantic? Like this well, idea is, but, that but we but can be. You can't
2: deny what is a natural instinct. I mean, most people, even though we, but would I don't want to, to be not,
1: Prince Harry at all. That's you might, my nightmare. No, no like, you, that's my, you might I, want I, to be
2: someone else. So it taps both into Rose your aspiration.
0: Say that
1: he's their favourite royal. I mean, you have heard... No I, no, I understand that. But like, you know, filmmaking, uh, filmmakers who are heroes of mine, like Werner Herzog, they work for what they did. You know, they didn't just sort of, you know, get no, brought but, into it. I, I don't really... I, it, doesn't, it doesn't sit with Ned, me. here That's is fine. something...
0: No, I understand that. And yeah. I, I can understand all those thoughts. But you've got our most famous Republican, Peter Fitzsimons. You know, his wife's over there covering the wedding for Channel 10. Lisa Wilkinson. I mean, this is a major story. This is family life on steroids. So people sitting in sitting rooms around the world are looking at Philip going, and they've maybe had a hip replacement in their family. Gee, he's looking pretty good for 97 and he's walking upright. I should be doing that. Then they look at, you know, Kate, oh heavens! How amazing does he look? It's only four weeks yeah. since the so, baby. So Ned, the
2: thing is, there's yeah. a there's a, psych- there's a psychological a family, a,
0: a symbolic family. What would that anthropologist world? say about
1: this? But it, Ned, it, there's, it Ned pretty... there's a
2: psychological thing in all of us that we're aspirational. So you might not want to be Prince Harry, but you might want to be, you know, a, I'm not saying Steven Spielberg, but somebody like, like Don't goodness, yeah. I, you know, I'm what not, I mean, no, okay? no, 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 I'm trying I'm to not. think of some, you know, really sort of alternative director. No one's coming to mind. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm but, yeah, but you know, it, we all aspire not to actually be somebody, but they are supposed to be... People we aspire to are people generally, in a professional sense, we want to aspire to be like them. So that's involved in here as well. So it's the old, you know, Meghan Markle 15 years ago who would have picked that she'd marry a prince, you know. So now... Any little kid can imagine that can, this might be possible. Yeah, I can So understand. it touches into all of that stuff that we can't really explain what it yeah,
1: is. Yeah, I'll somewhat concede with the Megan example because she didn't come, like she's not from Blood Royal, right? However, the ones who are Blood Royals, I, I don't understand why someone would want to aspire to be, like they haven't done anything to, oh, it'd to get to it out. Oh, it would be I, a shocking I,
0: life. It would be a shocking life. By simply I existing, yeah. they, um, as mum used to say to us when we were little, they're stopping other people from
1: Doing something is, is, worse. Is, it, is it just good for business?
2: Ned, the civil list provides the Queen with seven point nine million pounds. That was around two thousand and twelve. I think it has a bit of it had a little bit of an up since then.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the entire royal household and the Crown received thirty one point five mil. It has been valued by independent sources that the royal family yields close to one hundred and sixty million in tourism, and all the other you know. How, the wedding was.
0: Um was 50-something million. Yeah, think
2: of the
1: television rights
2: and all the money that's oh, spinning oh, around well, in and out. Of, like, the BBC's a public entity.
1: Economically, I'm sure. It's, a, it's, a, it's good for business. Can what I, just, can I
2: just, yeah. just mention a couple of fashion things, please? Yes, everybody can, be wanting. You can quickly, so, Corrie. Um, the, um, the veil with um, a flower embroidered of each of the Commonwealth countries plus the poppy of California, fabulous. Amal Clooney, everybody went nuts about her, but for me, the dress was Carey Mulligan and that beautiful spring col- colours and the floral of Erdem. Um, and I thought Doria, um, Mother of the Bride, looked absolutely Doria beautiful. Doria Ragland in Oscar In Oscar yeah, de in la Renta. Oscar de was beautiful. And, and can I just give an early GLT, and we did this with Francesca's wedding, try and do what the Queen and her family did uh, last Saturday, which is to try and tone on tone Mother of the Bride, Mother of the Groom, Grandmothers, Flower Girls, Flowers – how beautiful was that green and white? Um, those flowers, fo- those photographs, those I've photographs thought, that were released um, this week of the, they all just look so unified. Corey,
0: I, I nearly cried when she walked in with the forget me nots because yes, I thought of Diana. Diana. and when late was it Lady Jane Fellows who did the reading? Yes. Oh God, could she just laugh once? Oh no, but it, I th- I thought that was that that was very emotional for me, and I thought the, is, is, because, how do you pronounce it? Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Episcopalian bloke from Chicago it was an utter disgrace. Yeah, well, no, no, he's good. For, he's good for the media. No, he right? went off script, and he was trying. It was an attention.
1: No, he went, he went rogue. That's and of
2: course, good, what I know? what I loved Ned too was the yeah. fact that you know these crusty old British, you know, arist- aristocrats were just so prejudiced about these fast Americans who were invited to the wedding. And of course, you know, all eyes were on when are the cast of suits. Meghan's friends going to arrive? They'll probably look tacky, racy, sexy, and completely inappropriate. They were the best dressed. They were conservative. They were refined. How about that magnificent Sarah? Rafferty navy blue in Lonvon and Abigail Spencer in that little blue and white spotted with the high collar. How superb were they? Good on you, Yanks. Yay, stick it up, I say. Oh, and-
0: Lewis Litt could have had a better look on his face, but he claimed the person next to him had halitosis. Oh, halitosis. I've forgotten his name and in Kazza, real life. what about
1: Posh and Becks? What do you think of them? How, I thought, how are they going? Oh, I thought she looked shocking. She
0: no, shocking. she had a beautiful dress on, but a very bad look on her face. And he wore navy to the was, last Was anyone caught cares? chewing gum
1: at the, at the proceedings? I thought
0: David Beckham looked sensational. And I thought that both Harry's exes, Cressida and uh, Chelsea, looked Absolutely beautiful. Oh, he had
1: both his exes there. That's
0: You'll a, bit, know, that's a sort of controversial. controversial. It's an aristocratic thing. They but as, but as, as, our,
2: as our darling Lib, Will's fiance said um, today, she made a very interesting observation and she said this wedding – because I said, why was this wedding in a way more um, warming to the heart than the Middleton um, Prince William wedding a few years ago? And Lib observed that this one did totally capture the hearts. The Diana factor, she felt, played more of a role in the wedding of this younger son which who is more like his mother – And, of course, it was a more relaxed ceremony. So doesn't that say at all about, you know, the more formal you get with your wedding sometimes, you actually blow the intimacy and the love. So that's all I've – I mean, I could talk about this forever. Eugenie's air stewardess hat –
0: I know. Really, it was better than last time, Corrie.
2: Really, and why do they all keep talking about the skin colour of the cellist, of the bride, of the mother of the bride, of the choir? Like, let's just we're we're going to be a chocolate coloured society. Let's all just move on from well, is, colour. Isn't, isn't
1: this a reason to sort of detest? Yeah, no, because it, it, because like when this.
2: we watch something like they did, galvanises our opinions and we can become fired up. And I was just yeah. like. All power to, you know, to interracial marriages, I reckon, you know, like, there you go. Well,
1: it's a far better representation of what England is today And, and, po- and
2: female potties out there, I just wanted to add that if your husband said to you that he could have no more interest um, than flies walking up a wall than the, watching the royal wedding and he wanted to watch the Collingwood game – they're all liars because you know what? I came home and the next morning Pete was in bed when I got home. Coco and I got home, and the next morning out came all of this. Didn't she look lovely? And what did you think of the Queen? Oh yeah. God, you watched the whole thing exactly. Sheesh. How many men was it? The did highlight that? was
1: it the highlights or was it the full the whole thing? I
2: think I think between you know goals he was flicking over to the wedding.
0: I don't think Anna from the op shop will mind her reading out the text she sent, Corrie and I. <laughs> <It was laughs> very, very late or very early on Sunday morning, clearly over-refreshed. Good Lord, hope rogue Boston bishop didn't derail whole ceremony. Beefeater's wedding punch had well and truly kicked in for us, but sober folk of Windsor were unimpressed. Did black gospel choir save the day? Love bride's dress, love bride's dress tiara and train most of all reckon Sis needed major makeover. That was Anna from the op shop. Your yeah, got an dear incredible friend. turn of phrase.
1: I always she does. Love, I've loved Anna's messages for the last what fifteen years of my life. I hope so she, she doesn't mind us, us reading it.
0: Now, I'm, I'm going to have to. We're not even going to talk about footy this week because there's not really much to talk about. Our teams were beaten. There's no major issue, Cory, And time is on the wing, so let's go into BSF book, screen, and food. And you um, have a book, Caro. Look, I have loved the Trauma Queen. The Trauma Cleaner. This is a book by um, Sarah Krasnostein. I think is how you pronounce mm-hmm. her name. She has written the most absolutely compelling story, and we're doing it for book club, Corrie, So I hope you're going to read it. Mm-hmm. Go on. I didn't actually realise that it was a true story, but he goes through the life of this woman, and anyone who's interested in Melbourne, the suburbs of Melbourne, Melbourne life, um, Geelong inner city Melbourne, outer c- regional Melbourne, the life of hoarders, people who have, cat- who get very old and have too many cats. This woman and this remarkable central figure, the trauma cleaner, and what she has done and where she has been. And she's had, believe me, she's had, have you read it, Ned?
1: Well, I haven't read it. However, I did actually do make a documentary film on a couple, a husband yep. and wife, who were both trauma cleaners about three years ago.
2: So what is the definition of a trauma cleaner, Ned?
1: A uh, Trauma cleaner is someone who goes to a scene once the police have been and done their full investigation, and they essentially clean up the mess. So, yeah, it can really mess you up if you don't have the mental constitution for it. The Um, the cover tells
0: it all, and the back inside cover shows... The picture of it, it's described as one woman's extraordinary life in death, decay so and is, disaster. is the
2: author, um, is this in first person or is no, she writing this No, no, it's,
0: it's a woman she has met and who has mm. agreed to tell her story. Sarah is in fact the wife of Charlie Pickering, who we see
2: on oh, right. TV. Oh, and, really? she's, and she's won a couple of book awards for this. Yeah,
1: part. well, because the, the woman we did the film on and the, the, the husband, she actually mentioned that cat hoarders was like a massive thing obviously sort of suicide murder that kind of thing I don't well, I don't
0: think she... it, I don't think you can explain how distressing this job would be but it is also a wonderful story of melbourne life and of different it's a microcosm of a lot of different people's lives and i just couldn't stop reading it i really really loved it so i would highly recommend it Well you can it. lead the
2: discussion at book club then
0: well, I think you should read it too, Corrie. I'm sure you'll sell lots of books of it. You um, probably already sold.
2: No, well, the thing is, with, uh, there are so many books to read when you're a bookseller. But if that, something is a guaranteed bestseller, you often don't, you know, because it's selling itself. And this book, since it came in, has been so widely loved and admired that it's sort of selling itself. So I'll go off and find some, you know, poor orphan and read that and try and push that instead. But I look, you know, I am back at book clubs, so I'll have to.
0: This this woman is an, I can't even remember her name now. She's an ordinary Australian, but she is an extraordinary Australian. And she's got a pretty. You don't give it away. She's got a pretty edgy sort of background herself. But anyway, I recommend it. I also recommend Chappaquiddick. I took myself on, I did my favourite thing on Sunday. I tried about, I didn't bother with you because I knew you had bookshop duties. <laughs> I <laughs> Is
2: anything? Is, will I ever be invited to the movies, Ned, well, by well, your mother? Well, She you just could, looks at me and goes, oh, bookshop on the You guys weekends. have almost
1: polished off that natty that natty wine. Yeah, well, sorry, Jesus. I'm pouring oh. myself
2: here. <laughs> um, here, Chap- Carol, have
1: some more. It goes Chap- down like orange juice. Oh, Chap-
2: Ned, it's Chap- like the Royal Punch the other
0: night yeah. that <laughs> Lady Eloise made. I I did my favourite thing. After three or four gals were all too busy or had seen it but said I should see it, I took myself on my own to the movies and I sat down at about three o'clock on Sunday afternoon and look, you and I know the story of Chappaquiddick. What does Chappaquiddick mean to you, Ned?
1: I don't know what Chappaquiddick is. So well, well
0: Corrie and I would have, I would have yeah, been about nine, Corrie would have been about eight when Ted Kennedy, the last surviving Kennedy male after the accidental death of his eldest brother and the assassinations of his two other brothers, John, of course, JFK. Yep. And, and, Robert.
2: Also, and also, Caro, the man who would be king because they said he had huge political nous and a great career ahead of him. Well,
0: he's he's sort of – the campaign is sort of starting. And what happened was, Ned, that he, on a drunken night, um, not far from Hyannisport where the Kennedy compound was, um, there was a party on Martha's Vineyard, um, a reunion of the Boiler Room girls, who were the girls who had worked on Bobby Kennedy's campaign. They had a reunion one night after a regatta that was a big regatta that Ted used to sail in every year with his cousin. And he, late at night or the early hours of the next morning, drove one of the boiler room girls, Mary Jo Kopechny, off off a bridge in Chappaquiddick. And she died and he survived. And this is the story of what happens. It's a story of how it derailed his presidential campaign but most of all, Corey, it's the story of spin. Stupid mm. question.
1: Was it an intentional drive off the road, or was no?
0: It a no, it was an accident. Yeah. Was but there, an was, accident. There, was, there was
2: there were always questions, Ned, and conspiracy theories about this. You know, did did Teddy do a runner mm. and try and hide his identity well, because no, you know, no question went, from the film, he did a runner. <laughs> um, or did he? He always claimed he went back and tried to save her. The windows were so done was up in the car. So he sort of persona
1: non grata. Um, in, you know, well, in it just theory, it just
0: it destroyed his career for yeah. I would say twenty years. Early, and, and he became what was sort of, he became, um, he was known as the lion of the Senate. Like he was one of the longest serving or the longest serving American senator. He did on one at one stage stand for the Democratic nomination in 1980. He didn't get it. And that was seen as the last time he was ever going to try. But Joe Kennedy, the patriarch, the evil patriarch, who's played by Bruce Dern, well, he is barely alive but he's four months or five months before death when this happens. But what I had forgotten, Corrie, because we were both too young, was that man was about to land on the moon and in the week that all the spin doctors and the staffers and the A-team who were brought in to save Ted, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon and and made made the famous statement. A blessed
2: relief, like Donald Trump last week with the big news stories and, of course, the royal wedding just wiped him off the page. Hooray, hooray, says Donald and his cranky... Team of Ted,
0: Ted made a few really bad moves. One of them was to wear a neck brace to Mary Joe's funeral. But this film pulls no punches. It makes it clear what an entitled, self obsessed, selfish man he was.
2: So if you jo- were going to give it stars out of five, cool. four.
0: Oh, really? Joe Gargan, who plays the cousin. What's, what's your
1: David score and what's your Margaret score?
0: <laughs> David. David. I reckon <laughs> they both would have given it four. It, it yeah. is just, it is a fascinating story about spin-doctoring what happened and this film and I won't not giving anything away here because this all happens early they assert the film asserts that um I think the uh, director's John Curran that Mary Joe could easily have lived had he yes. reported the accident he didn't report it for 9 hours after it happened So it's sort of the end of a dynasty, really, as well as the start of a major story. What happened with the police? What happened with the journos? It is absolutely fascinating. Corrie, you would love it. Ned,
2: I want you to promise me that when you, you know, in your future, your very successful future as a filmmaker, you will consider doing a documentary on a spin campaign. So something goes horribly wrong and how a political party and their media advisors work it. And just be like Michael Wolf,, you know, with this book on Donald Trump. Just be a fly on the wall and follow it. Could because... I maybe
1: used dad as a bit of an in- you know, inside man? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, he'd be the perfect guy, right, when he retires? Because
0: everybody loves him at Spring Street, so that would be perfect. Well,
1: exactly. Ned,
0: it's BSF, and F is for food. What is the
1: recipe that you you, and Zoe...
2: You bumped me off the page this week, Ned. I had my Anzac biscuits.
1: Hey, I'm not the producer, so don't don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the
2: messenger. (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay, so, um, look, I'm not, you know, the best chef in the world. However, my lovely girlfriend Zoe has sort of inspired me over the years, um, and we cook together, which is great. Um, and she, I, I asked her today, so can you send through this pasta recipe? And she said, oh, you know, it's just a thrown-together thing. But I was like, yeah, but it's great, so who cares? But
2: do you make it or does Zoe make it?
1: Um, we actually only ever make it together, so it's kind of special oh, like that. Oh, I have yeah. tears. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting Ned. a lot of brownie points now. This is great.
2: You are so,
1: sweet. Um, so I'll try and I'll, – I'll... Follow
2: us, Potties, and you can have sons like this that <laughs> grow up to cook with their girlfriends.
1: Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll run through a bit of a listicle here without boring anyone. So uh, there's no name for it. It's called it The netted. Zoe, wholesome pasta. Um, <laughs> pasta of your choice, that's the first one. Fisley, uh, finely sliced rings of red onion, crushed garlic, cherry tomatoes, finely sliced fennel, capers, Sicilian olives, zest of lemon, lemon juice, ribbon, ribboned, uh zucchini fingers, chopped peppery oh, sorry, rocket. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah.
0: Are they ribboned or are they fingers? Or it, are they it's,
1: it's, she's, she's written ribboned f- Zucchini no, they fingers. can't be
0: ribbons and fingers. No, you probably ribbon this and then your finger. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's, let's yeah, yeah, ask so Ned,
2: did... the expert. How do you do it, Ned, or is yeah, so that Zoe's part of the well, gig? Zoe, what
1: Zoe tells me to do is she says, okay, so uh, get out the, uh, the peeler, peel it, and then I normally just eat the finger as I'm going. And so we don't actually use the fingers. <laughs> um, anyway, that's actually true. Um, chopped peppery rocket, dill, mint, parsley, fred, uh, fresh red chili, tuna or mackerel, ash-covered merediths, goat's cheese, if you're feeling ready.
2: So rich. the protein... Is the tuna? Yeah, and I brought that in with it for our basket. Well, there,
1: there it is, the charcoal. Uh, you can take it home. Yeah, and then chili parmesan, a staple, and 500 mils of wine. I don't know. I don't remember her putting wine in there, but she's. I think that's it. what you have uh, with it. Yeah, maybe. No, no no, 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 because you
2: need something to. You need some liquid element there. 500
1: so. mils is a lot.
2: That's, <laughs> well, maybe you. <laughs>
1: that's your in standard night, <laughs> That's your standard. No, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking.
2: <laughs> no, you're not.
1: <laughs> um, so, uh, method really quickly. Heat pan with oil, boil water for pasta and cook. Throw in rings of onion and crushed garlic. Add whole cherry tomatoes and chilli. Uh, crush tomatoes when soft to, caram- and to caramelize onion. Add fennel and lemon juice. Simmer until fennel is cooked. Mix through ribbon, zucchini, and allow to warm. Add fish, capers, olives, rocket, and herbs. Combine pasta and sauce. Top with goat's cheese and parmesan. And then chuck your vino in two glasses. Sit down and have an interpersonal breakthrough with your partner.
2: And when when is your mother and your godmother coming for dinner to have this? Very, very soon.
1: Uh, I think you'd be... Taken back. I think you'd be taken aback if you went to my share house. There's, uh, We live in the seven people You would. You would. People I, like, I
2: like meeting new people. No, you, you
0: seriously <laughs> don't want to go to his share. It's, it's, got a, it's a great Mum hates address. it. Mum hates it.
1: You
2: need a, a big, a deep pan to cook that in. Otherwise, all those ingredients would be spilling oh, over. Oh, we've got
1: deep pans. We just don't have, you know, deep bathrooms or deep kitchens <laughs> or, you <laughs> I know, didn't just... mean
2: in relation to me coming for dinner. Yeah. Anyway, okay. But no, yes, let's have
1: dinner soon, Kari.
2: Um well, Podsters, um, Miss Jane will put that up on the Facebook, so um, or everybody can have a look at that. And I am grumpy today, Carol I know. Yes, that I you'll... was going
0: to say, what are you grumpy about today, Corey?
2: <laughs> there are a few things I'm grumpy about. I'm not going to mention Donald Trump, but there's about ten things I'm grumpy about with him today. But but this is a this is to do with tradies. Um, who speed above the um, the speed limit and don't have their goods securely fastened <laughs> oh. on the back of their truck. Why so, are you
0: picking on tradies?
2: On, well, yeah. most of my family are tradies, so you know <laughs> I love them. In fact, you employ a couple of them. Well, one, but, but, yeah. So there I was driving along um, the freeway, and I'm doing, you know, 98 or something sensible. This guy in an open back truck um, cu- comes along on the left, cu- cuts in front of me. And he's probably doing about 110 or 120, and I thought, oh, you're speeding. I hope you get caught because that's what I am, a sort of a schadenfreude kind of person. And then all of a sudden, this thing flies off the back of his truck. My first response was, it's not solid, thank God, but it is a big black as it turns out, as I think, Ned, because it went past so quickly, but it's like a big rubber mat that you'd have in a gymnasium,
1: mm. bigger
2: than a yoga mat. But remember when we we're all kids at school, you'd have a big sort of black, yep. you know, rubber mat. So this thing has flown off the back of his truck. Mm. I've thought swerve will go straight ahead. That's the. That was the key to saving my life because if I'd swerved, I would have gone into the lane and probably hit somebody next to me. I stayed on track because I thought that's not solid and, of course, kind of ran over this thing, which nearly killed the car. But, you know, well, apart from being – I wasn't really shaken. I was – Furious. Is this
1: unprecedented for you, Corey. Has this happened? Or, uh, no, I've seen, I, ha-
2: I have seen things. No, not to me personally, but I have seen things, particularly along the Geelong Road and the Ballarat Road, I have seen things fly off people's trucks before and always thought, you know, just for God's sake, rope it up. But when it happened to me, it's a really scary thing. So whoever you are south of Dandenong, Really? I've got, to, I've can got your I, Can rego. I say,
0: Ned, uh, the recurring theme of Corrie's grumpiness usually involves yeah. a car and the road. Uh, Corrie, it's time for six quick questions. You can kick it off.
2: Okay. So I'm, this is quite a serious question, Ned, but it is six quick questions. Yep. So I remember when your mum was covering the Essendon drug scandal? And I know from speaking with you, Dad, that it was a bit of a tough time in the family household. Um, you were obviously a few years younger yeah. How did? What do you remember of that time, and um, and your feeling about your mum? Are you a bomber supporter? What, yeah. What did you
1: feel? Oh, look, I think it just sort of validated the theme of toxic masculinity in AFL for me. Um, and yeah, that's probably the year that I really um stopped watching football. I've I like, I won't even check scores. I'm not interested anymore. Um, which which is fine. I've got other things, more important things to do. But um. Yeah, I, I think. But
2: you, were you evolved enough not to be embarrassed, for example, by what your mum was no, doing in the early I, stage when everybody was saying I'll, she was off, on the wrong track?
1: I'll be completely upfront. I've been at uh, pubs, nightclubs, events, and and people. I've I've overheard people mention her name, and I've even had people say directly to my face, and I've had to sort of, you know, you know leave you know leave the room because I was so angry. Um, because some of the things they're just ad hominem attacks. They're not really attacking the argument. Is they're attacking the person. Um, and you know terms that I'd rather not use. So yeah, it definitely pissed me off. And there was a few nights where I've seen my father Brendan a lot angrier than I've ever seen him before. Um, but I mean, it just shows goes to show how much of a strong woman she is, very thick skin, um, and I think she's not afraid of pissing off the boys' club, which I love. So that's all I have to say about it. So you have more yeah.
2: you have more bouquets for her as a result of that difficult year.
1: Um, hugs.
2: Hugs, because we all hug now. Tom.
0: Yes, there was a, yeah. a good one, good heartfelt letter. I, I do for a, a very Ned appropriate heartfelt letter during that time. <laughs> Giving you feedback, one for you, yeah. Corey. Um, what's your favourite gender appropriate children's book? Because as you know, there's another ban on the airwaves being well, suggested. Why
2: Why are you asking me this? Is this because of this silly Melbourne City Council yep. decision to... Yeah, and
0: you're a, you're a bookseller. To, to not have... You know how much I love Little Black Gen- Sambo. I reckon it's a brilliant book. I just wonder if you've got a favourite gender, gender inappropriate book.
2: Well, oh, where do you begin? I mean, we love Cinderella, don't we? Uh, you know... Okay. I mean, yep. Probably probably Snow White, though. You know, when you think about it, it is a little weird, actually. You know, she goes off to live with these seven blokes. but And, and they get her to do all the
1: housework. Yeah, there's been a few, All a the housework. Of, there's been a few derivatives of that as well.
2: <laughs> so, you know, men off to work, hi-ho, hi-ho. Off to work we go. And Snow White has to stay and make the beds but, but and clean or
0: whatever. So you don't love that, but you do love... No, but,
2: well, no, I, but, I, but I actually do love the outcome of that story, you know, because they realise when Snow White you know, is not the woman she was when they come back from work one day and the Wicked Queen has had her way. They realise how much they love her. It, I mean, it's quite... Have you ever seen the Disney film of that? I saw Of sob. I have. I sob. Brilliant film. I'd like to say every time I see it, but...
1: All right. So uh, my question is to my mother, Caro. Now, look, I'm just going to get a boring diplomatic response, so I'm going to change up the question a bit. It was, who is your favourite child? But we know what she's going to say. How about you just tell us, out of the three children, who is best at what? Like, what are the best traits... Oh. From me, just so we oh, you know, question without notice, no, question it's without notice. No, because you're going to say something like, "Well, you know, you're you're my favourite son. Well, I'm the only son, so you know, it's kind of <laughs> a nothing award
0: Um Rose is a fantastic travel companion. <laughs> you're offended already.
1: Okay, to continue. Yeah,
0: you are. <laughs> you're the. You're it's just the, just gone, what? You're
1: It's un- <laughs> just after New York as well. It's I know. Not even five months. No, you were pretty anyway. good in New
0: York, I must say. You were very good. But no, she is. You are an unbelievable driving companion. If I had to drive from here to the end nor- of the Northern Territory, I would take you because you're a great conversationalist. You're practical. You would help with the driving and
1: you'd be great fun.
2: I heard you were very good on the Mother's that, Day that walk. That touches my
1: right? heart. Thank you, Mum.
2: She enjoyed the Mother's Day walk because you were beside her.
1: Yeah, and we got a call up from Darren Hinch as well. Clem, Going up no. Anderson Street, Hill, puffing puffy and panting. It was
0: Darren James, please. Oh, wasn't, <laughs> Dar- wasn't
1: Darren Hinch? Oh, God, that's <laughs> awkward. Can we edit that Darren out?
0: Darren used to be Darren's <laughs> producer. <laughs> thought, and they're great friends, did. so he won't mind. No, no, he won't, he won't listen
1: to this, will he? Oh, God.
0: Clem would definitely be the most... The cook. De- <laughs> oh, well, she would obviously be the cook because she's a brilliant cook. But she would also be the one who... I probably would most like to come home to because she is <laughs> oh, really? so, no, no. In terms, a bit, She's a bit like checker. They're slobs. No, no, no. In terms of when I was young, coming home to the children, she was the one who would charge down the hallway and be just so excited <laughs> oh, yes. to see me. But you're all great conversationalists. So, I don't know. I don't yeah, know why. That's a tough
2: question without yeah. notice. It is a really can tough one.
0: Can we
1: high five, Mum? <laughs> now, Corey. One,
0: one of our favourite favorite actors, I'm changing the subject because I'm thinking of all the thousands of things I should have said and mean, Kristen Scott-Thomas. I can feel a few
2: apologies, turns Jane, coming up next this week, this week, can't you? Oh, God. Kristen
0: Scott-Thomas, one of our faves, turns 58 this week. What's your favourite movie of Kristen's?
2: Well, look... You know, the English patient, Catherine is in the English patient, she was superb, absolutely wonderful. But really for the for the supporting actor who kind of stole the show in a way, her role as fee in four weddings and a funeral.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. The beautiful, <laughs> elegant Prince
2: woman. Yeah, the beautiful, elegant woman who had the crush on Hugh Grant all along and didn't tell him till the very last you, darling, you know, she's smoking that cigarette. I thought she was super in that film. So that would be my favourite um, Kristen Scott Thomas film. Good call. Um, now, um, Caro, I'm really interested to know what you think about this because I can't possibly think of one job that he would do. But what should former Lord Mayor Robert Doyle do next?
0: That's an easy question, Corrie. A tell-all interview with a tough journo. And lay it on the line because one thing about Rob Doyle, he does have a personal charm. And he knows he's done the wrong thing, I believe, I hope, and I reckon his life is resurrectable. He has a, a wife who loves him, he has older children, younger children. he has a former wife who I reckon would support him, and I think he needs to get on the front foot and tell it like it is. Cause well, you're a
2: gun for hire now He
0: has a lot of people who've would you would you do it? Is that an interview you do? Oh course I would but I mean I don't think I'm the one who should do it but but I think that's what he needs to do I think he needs to get on the front foot because I think public life is his thing and that's what he needs to do is so that would be the
1: right me- just devil's avocado here is it sending the right message to society devil's to, avocado. is it sending the right message to society putting a man like him back into the limelight and into serious roles is he,
0: that he should not go necessarily back into serious roles and never into public media roles but I think if he was able to put his hand up and understand what he had done wrong and talk about it and explain it, that would be what I think should be his would next move. Would you
1: want Rose or Clem to work under him? Not... Knowing what you know?
0: Oh, if he was prepared to atone for what he'd done and apologise and he, say it But he could, it, be, but he could again. be one
2: of those people who says, look, you know, I had the red wine issue or whatever it was about this, you know, inappropriate sexual behaviour which has been reported ad nauseum, so we won't go into it again. Yeah. But he could do some good as, you know, in the um, not-for-profit sector. Mm. You know, he's still well-connected. And people, I think, in Australia are willing to forgive and forget. So long as you say me a and you tell people the truth, you know, yeah. really, he'd be a great fundraiser, don't you think, Carol?
0: We're a very forgiving society. As long as he put his hand up and was prepared to do a warts and all interview, I think that, w- that could be his saving grace. Now, I've got one for you, Corrie. yes. It's your turn for crush of the week.
2: Oh, I haven't had one of these. Something problems. tells me
0: it won't be anyone connected with the <laughs> Richmond Football Club.
2: <laughs> not Mrs. Hardwick. Not Mr. Hardwick. Not Dustin. None of those people. Not I'm Trent, going to say. I'm Peggy going to O'Neill. say. No, I'm going to say the Queen, <clears throat> and I'm going to say the Queen, because not because of um, the royal wedding or anything to do with that. But on Sunday night, Carol and Ned, there was a most interesting documentary. I watched it. Okay, it was called the Queen's Green Planet. Ned, you should <clears throat> have a look at it. Um, and it was broadcast a month or so ago on ITV and it was on the ABC on Sunday night. And it was a really interesting, probably unique, it will never happen again, conversation between Her Majesty the Queen and a man or an interviewer who is her um, her uh, group, if you like. It's Sir David Attenborough, who must be Carol, about 89 or 90 himself, and The Queen actually had such enormous regard and respect for him. It just flowed through the interview. It was very sharing. And they walked through the garden at Buckingham Palace and she talked about the different trees that they've planted there over the years and it was a segue into what is called the Queen's Commonwealth Canopy. And the Queen's Commonwealth Canopy was launched in 2015 and it's um, a group of – there are now 53 countries of the Commonwealth all involved in – they present to the royal family parts of forest land or bushland or whatever it is, forever to be looked after as a tree planting uh, exercise. And it is one of the most extraordinary conservation movements I have ever witnessed. And the Queen is at the head of it. She's obviously got with the program. Somebody's got in her ear, I suspect the younger royals, Harry and Wills. But she has now embraced this wholeheartedly. And her conversation with um, um, Attenborough the other night was so sincere, Carol, didn't you think? Although I did notice... Mind wandering ever so slightly,
0: a little bit. But I, I loved her smile. I loved what I loved. She the genuinely initiative. loved and those, the program. Those final shots of her and Margaret in the tree trunk were just yeah. absolutely beautiful. But
2: Ned, there are like thousands of hectares of forest land. For example, they showed mm. this place in northern Canada, which um, was
1: that why they chose David because he's so well. Yeah, know, known and, for his yeah, and, and yeah,
2: and they've known each other. They're each other's um, cohort, so you know they've grown old together, as it were. And they just talk so comfortably together as old friends. But there were, you saw um, Wills and Kate a couple of years ago went to Canada, where they have dedicated this entire sort of you know thousands of hectares of pine forest, and it, it's all to the Queen. It's all to this co- Commonwealth Canopy. So if anybody wants to read more about it, it's called Queen'sCommonwealthCanopy.org, or you can see it on your um, whatever device you have. Watch the ABC show. Really good. So loving the Queen, Carol this week. Apart from a green, lovely green outfit that she wore. At the
0: wedding. With the floral oh, dress underneath. the Beautiful, um, Now, <laughs> it's time to close. I'll leave you with a good local tip. I hope nobody thinks it's, this is politically incorrect. But we all know about eyelash extensions. We know about eyelash tinting. I don't. We know about, well, we know, most people do, Corrie. We know, and maybe not. We uh, also know about good
1: thick eyla- Do you eyelash extend? No, I need to get rid of mine. They're too big.
0: I ran yeah. into someone the other day, and I said, "Oh, you've just had your eyelashes extended. You know how they can sometimes look too much. It looks like fake, and also I'm it's... Quite- sorry, do you actually say that to people? No, it's a good friend. It was Anna from the op shop's sister? Um, I said, "Oh, your extensions look amazing." She said, "Look, I hate to say it, they're not extensions. Chemo mascara. If you know, cancer sufferers have to get um, special mascara." That's not politically incorrect. It's really good. It works really well. No, I can't believe you're all looking so I, horrified.
1: I, I, I'm actually just sort of processing it all. I don't know. No, yeah.
0: No. Um, I don't of, wear mascara. A friend <laughs> of hers who had, had chemotherapy put her onto it said, try this mascara. It's unbelievable. It is the best that, mascara I've ever seen. Or is that empowering or
1: is that not empowering? I'm, I'm no, actually not. It's I'm It's nothing. Not
0: sure. It's just that they make special maca- mascara for well, people who've lost a lot of their hair. If
2: the money from the mascara goes to cancer research, then, you know, we should all get behind what's wrong it. With, what's wrong with that? But if it doesn't, well, I don't know. I just feel there's like nothing wrong with it. There's
0: this. nothing. You're not harming anyone. It's a great way to have beautiful, thick eyelashes and where better to find a good mascara than from people who need to make their eyelashes look good?
1: Okay, so Corey, why why could it be misinterpreted as politically incorrect in your view?
2: Well, because is it making fun of you no. know, beauty and chemotherapy? No, patients. It, do you know or? how expensive know.
0: it is to? Pay for wigs when you've had chemotherapy. Good wigs are really expensive, but chemo mascara isn't, and it's worth every cent. So that's my tip of the week.
2: Carol, just off topic for a second, but can you remember in the sixties or the seventies? No, more like the seventies when our mothers said you are not allowed to wear mascara to school. Did you used to do the trick with the Vaseline on your eyelashes?
0: No, but I, I do know. I do know about the Vaseline trick. I'm a bit surprised that you're also shocked by my tip. I reckon it's a great tip. No, I just sort of James got shocked by their
1: shock. I wasn't actually <laughs> James was I very didn't...
0: concerned. Anyway, on that note, guys, Ned, thank you for coming in. This Thanks
1: is Cara's so last us. show. <laughs> Thanks for having us, guys.
2: Ned, it was so great to have <laughs> you. on As in me, board. not us. Yeah. I don't know why. I No, spoke and in Will's the really jealous. He wants to do a show with you and him. Well, next we, time. It, we the mothers it. and the sons. We've got
1: we got four mics, don't we? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Will says good day. Good day. Thank
0: you for the beautiful organic wine. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please tell your friends and please rate us on Facebook or iTunes. Positive ratings help others find our podcast. And you're welcome to send us your feedback via email, feedback at shootpod.com.au or leave a message on Facebook, Twitter, or our Caro and Corrie Instagram account. And remember, Corrie, Ned, don't
2: don't shoot shoot the
0: messenger. messenger.